Hey, this is Rondé Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show here at jerryratcliffe.com or your favorite podcast platform, including YouTube. We're on uh, from time to time and are actually going to be stepping it up. We're going to be doing something uh, called a daily drop here uh, soon. Um, maybe shorter versions, but uh, more frequent. And um, we invite you to participate. We uh, we uh, thank you so much for your tuning into our shows and your viewership. And uh, it's all made possible by our great sponsors, the Aberdeen Barn, the Good Feet Store over at Stonefield, and also. Roback, uh, one of the fastest growing uh, activewear companies in America, based right here in Charlottesville. So, without further ado, let's introduce today's guest, uh, Guy. Uh, we haven't actually met, but I've uh, admired him and followed him for quite some time. Uh, he does just amazing research on his favorite sports teams, which are <laughs> the Wahoos. And uh, anybody Cleveland, <laughs> where where he grew up, uh, he lives in Northern Virginia now, between uh, Manassas and Woodbridge, and he's an 06 graduate of UVA. Wearing the colors today, I'm talking about Danny Nickel. Uh, you see him on uh, Twitter if you're a uh, or an X uh, fan. I still call it Twitter, but. Uh, he does uh, fascinating research on Virginia. I, I, I try to plug him into my uh, scatter shooting as often as as possible with some of the uh, great nuggets he comes up with. And uh, Danny Neckel, Northern Virginia, Wahoo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great uh, introduction. Um, yeah, so it's uh, just a fun hobby of mine to uh, collect stats for UVA, post them, do research. Um, and so what we're talking about today is, uh, last week I thought it'd be interesting or to pull UVA fans and post on Twitter about UVA football. Cause I'd seen people having opinions either way about the coach, about how we're going to, how is UVA going to turn this around what the future, what's priorities, what they like, dislike about the program and the experience. So I was like, instead of just doing one random Twitter poll, I was going to do, I'm just going to do a survey together. Um, so that's why I pulled together and um, we got over, I got over uh, 1300 responses. Um, so a lot of stuff was uh, interesting. So I'll be glad to go through the questions and any other topics uh, that jumped out. That's a great response. And I guess before we get started into some of those, Danny, I, um, it was an interesting season for sure. Um, the I think uh, Vegas put an over under on Virginia's win loss record at three and a half, which was, Pretty accurate. Uh, could have been better. Could have been worse. Um, I thought they made some nice strides there um, middle and second half of the season. Um, beat a, teams, a couple of teams that, that maybe they shouldn't have beaten. Uh, lost to a couple of teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to. Uh, if they had some breaks, I guess, they they – could be bowling, actually. Um, still think they should have beaten JMU. <laughs> uh, that storm changed everything. And uh, 
like uh, anybody that follows Virginia football, was highly disappointed in the way things ended. Um, I still can't figure out why they didn't show up against Virginia Tech. I thought on paper that was a pretty even football game, maybe a touchdown swing either way, and for them just to not even really make an appearance was uh, humiliating for Virginia fans, I'm sure, and I'm sure you got some nice feedback on that, as, as I did. Um, on, via email, text, and uh, in person, and Twitter, and everything else. But um, what what were just? Yeah, I know you're a huge EVA fan. What what were your impressions of the season? Um, I thought going into it, I thought three wins was a really low ball. It's like we're gonna they're gonna do better than that. It's like how's it? You know, how was it so so low? And then uh, after. You know, after the JMU lightning delay, after a couple of things going went wrong, it's like, oh, okay, I can see why. Because they're in a lot of close games, they're covering the spread, they're doing all this, but just finding a way to to lose. Yeah, and so they could have easily been bowling if they closed a couple games better. Um, JMU obviously, Boston College, uh, Miami went to overtime. So I mean, there's three wins right there where just a play here and there. NC State, I mean, all those games were within one score, and so. It looks bad at three nine, but it could easily have been six and six. But they're also losing to William Mary in North Carolina, so it could have been one and eleven. So, um, but I would say overall, it was just it was still fun to follow with uh, Malik Washington, and Cam Robinson putting up fun stats. So that kind of kept it going, even though kind of went downhill at the end there with the last couple of losses and uh, especially the Virginia Tech. So overall, it was a little disappointing, but there's still some stars uh that we're following this year and then maybe next year with Calandria and Robinson and any of the new transfers coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Malik Washington was a joy to watch this season. I, I such an incredible guy. Not a, he was always open and <laughs> uh he hardly ever dropped anything. And what impressed me was that once he got the ball in his hands, man, he knew what to do with it. He he could run uh, as good as any running back, it seemed like, uh, in the open field and has speed. I, I think his speed was under underrated all along, but uh, it's too bad he's not back for one more year. They, I mean, that would be dynamic to see him in the, the offense for another season, for sure. And maybe, maybe the kid that uh, they just brought in uh, from Notre Dame, maybe he'll uh, – pick up where Malik left off. Uh, yeah, that's the plan, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, uh, I guess, Danny, before uh, we get into the specifics, was there anything that uh, blew you away in the survey or uh, any, anything that maybe surprised you? Um, just the, uh, there was a lot more people who didn't donate or don't go to games than I thought. Um and a lot more people who want drastic changes to the to the university, not just the football team, but uh, the numbers for the people who you know want want the coach fired and like lower academic standards and change majors was a lot higher than I was expecting. Um, so uh, some of the stuff wasn't wasn't too crazy about you know Virginia Tech's biggest rival and uh, you know what what can change about the game day experience and where people live. So some of the stuff was was predictable. Um, but it's just interesting to see uh, how much 
And also there's a lot of variance between like alumni and people who aren't associated with the school, um, variance between people who live further away um, as compared to Charlottesville residents. And uh, just each question was a little, a little different um, and had some different results. The one, the one thing that in my career in covering Virginia for 42 years now, um, I, I covered some other ACC schools before I came to Charlottesville, but the one thing that uh, over the past 10 or 15 years that, that keeps popping up is that, uh, that I've just heard through various modes of communication it, a lot of people are frustrated that they they don't feel like that Virginia can compete on an, a level a level playing field with some of the rivals, uh, partially because of NIL and and some restrictions in the transfer portal now, which lends to the one thing you said about the academic standards that uh, some of these kids credits may not transfer. Uh, that they have to, I guess, delve into a, a more shallow transfer portal pool than, than most schools because of of the academic uh, situations. And, and a lot of people, like you said, um, would like to see a, a major or two or a curriculum to, to some degree uh, of something that athletes – can thrive in that maybe some other schools have that Virginia doesn't, uh, something that would allow these kids to develop and use their interest and perhaps expertise in the sports world, uh, maybe with um, some sort of sports management um, major of some kind. I I don't know, but um, that they feel like that that's – and, and then the other argument is, and I'm sure you've heard this too, we'll talk about it, is a, a lot of the UVA grads who maybe may or may not have interest in athletics feels like that that um, tarnishes the diploma to some degree if you – I don't know if it's really lowering academic standards, as some people have suggested, but just having something different that, that perhaps they don't have now. But uh, – what, let's delve into that a little bit. I'm sure you you had some interesting uh, proposals and, and comments in that area. Yeah, so the, the three in that area was one question asked, would you be willing to lower UVA's academic standards to improve the football team? And 53% said no, while 47% said yes. So it's about a 50-50 split there. And then another one was, would you be willing to shift budget away from UVA academics to improve the football team? Again, a 50-50 split, which was definitely surprising. Yep. Um, and then the, the one you mentioned about the majors, would you be willing to expand UVA's majors to improve the football team? For instance, offering you know, hotel management, nutrition studies, sports management. Um, because if if you look at other schools, you know, JMU or they, ha- they offer, you know, double, you have a lot more majors you look at s you know sec schools there's like double the amount of majors that uva has and it's sort of the same thing about academic standards to have these different uh these other majors aren't necessarily traditional majors you've seen for 100 years and so but for that one it was 77 percent. so that one seemed a lot more 
or 77% people said yes. So that one, people were a lot more open to as compared to lowering the academic standards or shifting budget. Um, and so maybe that could be a, a way to get more recruits in, get more, make it more accessible, but that more people on board of, because it doesn't as seems as be more, more people approve of that and it doesn't seem to change the academic standards as much. Yeah, that's what I've thought. I, I don't, I don't see how if you had a degree in hotel management, as you mentioned, or perhaps uh, sports management, or they could go into, they can, you could take that degree into so many different areas, uh, into professional sports or into college uh, uh, athletic administration. Uh, there's just so many different directions you could go with that and end up uh, with some pretty amazing careers. Uh, I mean, people that fill all those positions in professional sports and, and on the college level are yeah. <laughs> well-respected, well well-paid, uh, uh, have a lot of clout. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I don't see how that would uh, uh, cheapen a, a, a diploma in any way. Um, the only thing people were probably worried about is if it was like uh, North Carolina, where it seemed like the major was only for the athletes and it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even classes and weren't grades and stuff like that. That'd be the only, uh, pushback I could see people having with that. Yeah. And, and I would think the way UVA is, I, I think they could safeguard that to where, you know, it, it would be open to all students, not just athletes. And, um, cause there's, there's some people running pro sports teams and stuff like that, that didn't play sports in college. So I, I would think, uh, I think that would be a, a Maybe one answer to one of the issues that they have over there is um, just giving athletes something that they would that they already have a strong interest in, and and uh, and you know not all these guys are going to be playing professionally, so at least they could use their interest in, in to a, a major and and into a profession that that uh, piques their interest and, and takes uh, takes advantage of of their energy and their, you know, some people have a strong intellectual capacity for athletics that, that might not be interested in, in some other field. So it, it just seems like it makes sense to me. Yep. And then uh, diving deeper into the, those academic questions, if you looked at, within the respondents within there. Um, if you look at people who are associated with UVA, so alumni, current students, and employees, only 40% of them said they wanted to either shift the budget or take away, you know, lower the academic standards. But if you looked at the people who weren't directly associated with UVA, so family members or just fans or local, you know, residents, just people who weren't, who's, whose degree isn't directly related to them or like the employee, it was 60% um, wanted to lower the standards. 60% wanted to uh, shift money away from you know, academics and research more towards football. Um, so you can see their, the, I don't say priorities, but more just like the uh, purpose, you know, how, how you think how it affects your degree. It can, I can tell the split by whether they have a degree or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think you could do that without, you could probably do it without shifting money i i think i think there are 
possibilities there in the NIL that they haven't explored or just on the tip of the iceberg exploring that they wouldn't have to do that. But I, I think they could do it and not uh, not tarnish UVA's academic reputation at all. Uh, just give have more options. Uh, it doesn't seem to have tarnished the academic reputation at, at some of the other universities that we're talking about. Um, Correct. That was one. That was one of the uh, one of the questions. Is that uh, other schools who have top who are top five in academics um, are good at football, mainly uh, Michigan and North. Uh, Notre Dame, obviously Notre Dame's private. So that's a little different. Um, but Michigan is public school. Um, it's obviously bigger than UVA, but uh, they're obviously thriving in football. And I asked them the questions if what's the main deterrent to UVA being at Michigan's level for football? Um, the highest percentage at 36% was a history of football success. I mean, UVA is not going to all of a sudden have 100 years of good college football team. Um, but the other the runner-up question was uh, alumni donor support at 20% and financial support from the school, 15%, and NIL options at 9%. Um, and But the coaching was only 9% change. So, I mean, you could get a Jim Harbaugh uh, to come to Stanford or Franklin to come to uh, Vanderbilt and turn those programs around, but people are thinking there's other ways to, to do that uh, to improve the program while still having academics. So that's why financial support and NIL were also options there. Interesting. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo wah. I noticed you, you mentioned that the, some people at, at the end of the season, I guess, were upset with the way the direction, the direction the program's headed. Um, probably got some interesting comments. Yeah. In, in so, that, in that area. I, I think the coaching staff is, uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see any changes at all. And, and I, I think, I think most of the people were satisfied with the, I don't know if satisfied is the right word, but uh, felt better about things in the second half of the season, uh, except for the ending. But um, uh, what, what kind of uh, feedback did you get there? So, yeah, so I asked the question, do you think Coach Elliott should be replaced? And uh, 57% said no. Um, the way that season ended, I would assume that would have been like 90%. But I, mean, I guess because looking at the whole the whole season and how close it was and obviously what happened at the end of last year, people were, were not as willing as I thought. Uh, so, you know, 57% said no, it shouldn't be replaced. Um, so, I mean, that had that was interesting in itself because there's other there are other factors to go into it, other ways to change the program that besides making that change. So absolutely. Yeah. Um what 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 other area would you like to go into that you found uh most interesting? So like I mentioned, people uh 
the it was like 20% of voter of the respondents thought that alumni donor support would help make us just as good or improve our football program. But when asked how many people donate to the VAF, the Virginia Athletic Foundation, uh, 60% don't. They typically do not vote or typically do not donate to the VAF, which I was surprised by. But then it's okay, well, maybe they just don't agree where, you know, the VAF can't put directly to football, you know, um, not sure where it goes, doesn't go directly to the students or to the athletes. So I asked, would you donate to an NIL collective that's specifically for football? You can funnel it to football, which is, you know, Cavs Future. They're just, they're planning doing that. I'm not sure if it's update right now, but still 47% said no, they wouldn't donate to a collective. So it's just, or to the NIL. So it's just interesting that people are saying, I'm not, not how much overlap there is, but how, you know, UVA needs, UVA fans and donors need to get in behind it, yet half of them aren't going to do it or wouldn't want to do it. So it's just interesting how there's a magical fix where there's this big fix out there and it's not when push comes to shove, you're like, ah, it'll get fixed by a dome. So I just thought it was uh, interesting, the discrepancy there. Yeah, that surprises me. Uh, well, in, in a way it does, in a way it doesn't, because being a longtime observer of the program, and I've often wondered, you know, a lot of people bellyaching, or do, do they have a right to bellyache because they – they either one a don't come to games or two don't support the program financially, but they stay at home and watch it on TV. And sometimes those are the most vocal fans out there. Um, but yeah, so sorry. And going going with that, the forty percent that don't donate to Virginia Athletic Foundation, forty two percent did say they would donate to the NIL. So maybe there's still some optimism room for growth there. The people who wouldn't want to do before it might be one more do it now but it's just not as high as i would have expected yeah yeah and and i would expect and again i don't have any numbers to go by but I, I would think it's some of the more successful football programs that there's a, a higher percentage of fans alumni etc that donate and support those programs financially than than what you're seeing here uh, those numbers are are kind of startling, actually, to me that that not more people uh, offer financial help in some way. Were Were you surprised by that? Yeah, because I mean, the the you know, do you typically donate? It's like, okay, fine, maybe they don't typically donate. But looking at the future, like you know, looking at NIL to be more proactive, getting directly to the the athletes and just for football specifically to solve that problem, and it was still. 50% no. So that was definitely, definitely surprising. Um, looking they, at, was, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Did they have any suggestions on how, how they're supposed to turn things around without support? Um, Probably not, but. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> and some of the, some of the other stuff on the, on the survey was about like actual game day experience. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Like why people? Why people? people all the time, and I, I said, I, "You're asking the wrong guy." Because I, <laughs> I go up in the press box, and I don't know what's going on in the stadium <laughs> or in the parking lots. But uh, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to find out what you learned there. So yeah, so the I asked, what part of the UVA football experience needs the most improvement besides on-field results, besides winning and losing? Um, so the the number one response was tailgating at 
like 20%, 21% said that needs to be improved. Um, and then parking, 19% were the two bigger ones. And then food, 12%, scoreboard, 12%, and availability concessions, like 10%. And so that was kind of spread out around. But the tailgate one was interesting because that's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like, honestly, on, on the fans to like bring the tailgate. But I can understand if it's, tailgating is too far away, if it's too regulated, if it's, you know, if there's more opposing fans, if it's, if the cost is too much that be to be close. I mean, those are some fixes that the administration could look into in parking. Um, at 19%, I can understand that I've, you know, many years parked at JPJ or U-Haul and walked along long distance or parked at the hospital long distance. Um, especially with, with kids, it's gotten a little, a little trickier. Mm. Um, and if you're not a, a season ticket holder, you don't have the premier parking. So it's just, it could be a deterrent. Um, just walking two miles away for, for games is not quite as fun. Yeah, I don't know. Especially again, if the weather's bad, right? Yeah. I don't know the solution, though. They're not going to tear down uh, a building and put a parking lot there. It's not, I don't I mean, that's something I'll have to look into. But it was just interesting how, uh, you know, scoreboard got 12%, uh, and that's going to be improved. They're obviously they're building a new scoreboard for next year. Um, so that, that could be a problem that's solved there. Um, I mean, I've seen strides and concessions. I remember a couple of years ago, they weren't selling alcohol. Now, now they are. I mean, I'd never seen too many lines and they have, they've run deals before. So it's interesting to still see 10% of people saying that the biggest improvement needs to be at the concessions. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do about parking because I, I've been to a, a lot of stadiums around the country, you know, like Michigan and, and Alabama and some places like that. And, and they have parking problems too. You know, people have to park at shopping centers or, or, or wherever they can. And um, do they, do they run shuttles or uh, trolleys or anything like that from JPJ or other remote sites to where people don't have to walk? I, I don't even, I don't even know that. Yes, uh, they do. Uh, from from U Hall and JPJ, uh, there's a shuttle, and also from Alumni Hall as well. Okay. And then various drop off spots. That that probably helps a little bit. Um, I, I don't know what else you can do other than, like you said, I, they're not going to be acquiring land and building parking garages near the stadium. I don't think, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I don't know how big this jumbotron is that they have planned I, I i never noticed the dimensions of it but i i noticed when i went to maryland this year um and i was walking from a uh, press parking garage up the hill to the stadium on the opposite end of where the jumbotron is man i could see that thing from way outside the stadium and um i don't, it was almost too big Actually, I don't know if Virginia's is that big or not. It just seemed out of place in the stadium. It, took, it seemed like it took up uh, the entire top of the of one of the end zones. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what size this one's going to be, but it, I'm sure it'll be advanced and uh, state of the art. So yeah, going into like a attendance type question. Uh, 25% of the people who I pulled on here don't usually go to the games. Um, 
which is interesting because you I mean it's maybe there's a lot of UVA basketball fans on here. Um, they weren't maybe not always going to the games. Um, another 37% go to one or two games, 18% go to three or four, only 18% uh, go to every game. Um, wow. That's over. That's two. That's 200 people out of 12 out of 1200, 1300. That's so. Pretty high percentage. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I was curious on the follow-up questions, why if the, people don't go to games anymore or they don't go games at all, uh, what was the, the main reason? Um, and why was there, you know, the difference, what's the tail off? And the two big ones were people live too far away and uh, team performance. So people living too far away, alumni, you know, you move to New York City, California, you're not going to come to games, maybe, you know, once sure. a year or what have you. You got season tickets, you got a job further away, you know, you're not, you know, it's, it's not going to travel that much for games, if at all, um, which is understandable. It's, season ticket holders were going to be Charlottesville residents, Northern Virginia, Richmond residents, where you can travel the one to two hours to get to the games. Um, but then, obviously, team performance, you know, 28% saying that's the reason why I don't go to many games, which, again, understandable. You're not going to be coming to games if you're losing a bunch. It's not quite as fun. But some of the other problem, other other ones were family work obligations. You know, people work on Saturdays, got kids, soccer games. Um, again, you think about that. You can't, you know, the, the, pro, the administrations can't change people's work life obligations. So I don't know how to change that. Um, the time it takes to travel to games was another 10% um, in order to attend games. Again, you just can't, you can't change where, where Charlottesville is. You can't make the games shorter, unlike baseball. Um, but then the interesting one was cost. It was only 4%. So only 4% of people on this poll thought that the reason why I don't go to games is to cost too much. Wow. Because that's, that's something that's you hear all the Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something you hear all the time. Oh, you know, it's too, too expensive. They give you know the, the tech game was a hundred dollars, or the Notre Dame game a couple years ago was like two hundred dollars. But considering how other games are, there are and the availability, it wasn't four percent. It's not a deterrent. They're not like, oh, we need to. If the administration all of a sudden, oh, we need to lower the price to ten dollars a ticket. Well, that'll drive up everyone here. It doesn't doesn't seem to be the, the main issue. Yeah, I, I do a uh, show, uh, a sort of a TV internet show, a live show once a week. Um, with Jerry Miller and we do it downtown at a studio and um, I, several times during the season we've gotten a question that said um, uh, you know pertain to that and, and why they don't come or why they do come and uh, and, and wanted to know my opinion I, I really I think you know probably most of the topics that you just brought up but I, 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 they asked me for a solution. I don't have a solution <laughs> to what's going to put Fanny in the seats, except maybe winning more. Winning. But, <laughs> but you know, um, in the meantime, I, I guess the fact that people, you know, they lose approximately a million dollars when the stadium is half full in in terms of potential revenue uh, for home games, and then I, I wonder how much that impacts recruiting to some degree when they have a bunch of recruits in for a visit and they may have gone, you know, two or three weekends in a row to various schools where the stadium is full and a lot of excitement in the air. And then they come here 
how much does that impact them if they look up in the stands or half full or maybe a little more than half? And then a lot of times some of the people will leave at halftime if the things aren't going well. So um, I, I don't have a solution to that. I thought, you know, maybe one way would be to give away X amount of tickets per week to, you know, I don't know, various organizations or or something um, or have reduced ticket prices to put more fannies in the seats. But it sounds like uh, the feedback you got, that that wouldn't make a difference. No, I think just winning. <laughs> winning and uh, having more alumni close by or having more just available fannies. Uh, but I mean, this is like a chicken and the egg thing. It's like, well, you win by getting better recruits. You get better recruits by winning. And like, it's like a, you got to end the cycle somehow. Um, maybe NIL can shift that. Maybe landing a couple more transfers, big transfers, you can change the culture right away. Maybe the coaching change, change it right away in order to stop. You know, we thought it was facilities because uh, that's what Bronco was saying earlier. You need to change facilities, upgrade right. facilities. And so that's, that's getting changed. Obviously, the new, new thing next year. It's, but, you just have to like somehow break the cycle of losing, not getting recruits, not getting the fans, not getting donate, donation support. Once you get that turned around, then the, all that it can work on itself. Yeah. And, you know, we've had discussions on that show where, you know, we say, well, you know, so, so if you do make a coaching change, uh, the next coach is going to be faced with the same issues that the present coach and the former coaches have had. Um, and if you don't change some of those issues, is he coaching with one hand tied behind his back? So it is a lot of chicken in the egg kind of thing. And I, I don't know. I, I think winning is probably the only surefire solution that I see, but um, it's been a long time since this program has been able to consistently win. I mean, we've got to go back to the, early half of the Al Grow era, really, before he had several winning seasons on top of one another. Uh, they've been few and far between since then. Yeah, that, that, that was, that was, those are the four years I was at school. They made a bowl all four years. It's like, oh, I'm going to expect this expect this forever now. Yeah, and uh, we know that's, that's highly improbable, <laughs> at least until something changes. I, I don't know what the solution is, but did, did is that what people said that you know that would be the answer for them coming to games and contributing would be simply winning or did I mean, that was the, go there that was like the highest percentage that was 20 29 percent it was uh team performance is the re- is the main reason why i don't show up at it anymore wow looking for a great dining experience in charlottesville look no further than the aberdeen barn The barn has been family-owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. 
This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Interesting you're saying, Fred, you know, the coaching change. One of my questions was, what do you think would be the most important quality for a new coach if they went down that line? What would be the, what would you be looking for? And almost half said head coaching experience. Um, and then the next one was come from a winning culture at 30%. Uh, and then UVA connections at 11%. Um, so interesting, the head coaching experience, because you can you can say, well, Elliot, Coach Elliot didn't have co- head coaching experience, but Mike London did, and obviously Bronco did. You know, Al Grove, uh, he had it from pros, but only like the one year. So it's like, were you looking more towards the Bronco where you have a long-term head coaching or more from like the winning culture like, Coach Elliott came from Clemson, so he had the, the winning culture, which had 30% on here. Or other names that were thrown out at the time, um, Poindexter, um, other UVA connections. How big is UVA connection? Only 11% people said that having UVA connections, having ties to the program is the, is the most important as compared to half people saying be a head coach. So like, if half people think you need a head coaching experience as compared to 10% UVA connections, then those people don't want Poindexter or other UVA coaches that have been thrown around recently. Right. And there's quite a few of those guys out there. Um, but yeah. Even within, within the staff, though, I guess, kind of, there's still like three or four on the staff, like uh, that are uh, on that are former UVA players, former UVA coaches within the staff. It's not the head coach. Part. Right. Chris Lade and Clint. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good coaches. Um, yeah. I've always, I've always uh, felt like it, it's more important to get somebody who's been successful as a head coach uh, as opposed to necessarily just being, having a UVA connection because I mean, you look at some of the top coaches in the country, um, not just currently, but in years past, and they they had no real connection with that university until they became the head coach there. So I, I don't think you necessarily have to – have come from a school to to be successful there. If you if you do, I guess it helps in some aspects, but doesn't guarantee success by any means. Yeah, it would be more of a like uh, bringing like the passion, bringing like the understanding the specific UVA situation, like the, the challenges that come with it. And if you're already invested in UVA as a former player, or former coach, it would, it would make more sense to like overcome those things and realize, you know, or quicker on how to deal with the, the difficulties and like make sure everyone's are, are more enthused instead of just like, Oh, wow, this is harder than I thought. Or like, uh, you know, that type of thing where you're not already ingrained with the passion for UVA as compared to other, you've seen other, other programs, other people who were coaches who are already alone, like already behind it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I go back, I, I got here at the same time that George Welsh did and, uh, he told me years into his reign here that, that it was a harder job than than he had anticipated. Uh, Al Gross said the same thing, even though he had played here and uh, was familiar. And like London, to some degree, and and his job became even harder as he went along. And Bronco said it was. Uh, the program was in worse shape than than he had expected. So, I, uh, Coach Elliott hasn't 
have been asked that question yet, I don't think, but I would imagine he would say the same. It, it's a tough place to win. I mean, if you go back and look, um, shortly after the the uh, World War II era, when they had some pretty good teams, uh, and they went uh, 27, 29 years, something like that, with three winning seasons until George got here. He brought consistency. Al had it for a while, then lost it. Uh, Mike really never had it. Bronco um, slowly got to where he, he turned things around to a degree, and and then it plateaued out his last couple of years here. I, I don't know what would have happened had he remained on, but uh, it's traditionally been a, a very, very difficult place to win in football. Um, anything else that uh, that caught your eye in your survey? The, the... Um, yeah, I, I threw in uh, two Virginia Tech related ones because you always hear about people. Oh, just just one one game all year. Um, you know, the most important game. So it's just kind of interesting to gauge how that how it's reflected. Uh, so one of the questions is, like, what UVA football scenario would you prefer? Go one eleven but beat Virginia Tech, or go six and six and make a bowl game but lose lose to Virginia Tech. Um, it was sixty-two percent would go six and six and but lose to Tech, um, which has happened a couple times. Um, yeah, and uh, where you make a bowl but you lose the last game to Tech, but thirty-seven percent would just win, want to win that game and lose all the others. So, I mean, I UVA was close to that anyway, and now at three and nine, but one eleven that is thirty-seven percent would would go would have like you would have the worst record in college football, the worst record in power football, and but beat Tech and be happy with that. They'd rather have that, which is stunning to me, 30, 37%. That's stunning to me as well. I I don't know what you gain by that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you yeah. get some, maybe some bragging rights in your office for a year, but uh, that doesn't carry carry things very well. I, I, I think I'd be more happy with winning six, at least six games and getting into a bowl game and um, I, I've always thought if you're trying to rebuild a program, I thought Wake Forest and Duke did it the most intelligent ways with scheduling. They would find four of the worst teams out there and put them on the schedule in the non-conference. You win four, you win all four of those, and all you got to win is two out of eight conference games, which even Virginia did this year. So. And you go bowling, so and you keep doing that until you rebuild your program, and then maybe you can be more a little more aggressive with your schedule. But um, yeah, to me, you shouldn't shouldn't have a road game, you know, home and aways with USC and Oregon and UCLA. Uh, yeah, <laughs> TCU and one of the ones were there recently. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure going to Tennessee and going to Maryland was uh, a bright idea this year. Uh, I would have rather played a couple of Crappensburg state <laughs> opponents and, and tried to try to at least be close to being bowl eligible, but uh, somebody didn't see it that way. And so the other related question is what UVA football scenario would you rather have in a typical season? Um, and for this to be, say they're mutually exclusive, be, Virginia Tech or make the uh, ACC title game? And again, it was 41% would rather beat Tech than make the title game, which 
it's definitely surprising. It just shows the yeah. amount of people who value that tech game more than anything else. Yeah, and I, you, uh, I guess I'm a little more old school. I, I, I still, I, I know Virginia Tech has replaced North Carolina as the main rival now because didn't I don't think it used to be that way. But uh, uh, I always thought, and and again that's changed over the years. But I always thought beating North Carolina was was a bigger deal. But uh, I guess not, since Tech got good in football. Uh, in the Dooley and Beamer era, uh, a lot of that changed, and it is the again, it's the fans you got to that are in your face all the time at your office or church or or wherever. <laughs> so, yeah, it's become a bigger deal. Yeah, in the uh, and I have a poll. I have a, one of the questions is about that. What you what do you consider UVA's biggest rival in football? Eighty eight percent was Virginia Tech. Twelve percent was UNC. And then only 15 people out of 1,200 and other. And I'm sure what the other would have been, maybe Duke, Maryland. I don't know what that would have been. Yeah. Uh, I, I know some people think Georgia Tech is a good rival because of uh, they've had so many close games. And and uh, I guess that 1990 game. Uh, yeah. So if you, you're saying about being a more old school, yeah. If on the poll, if it's 55% or, or 55 years or older, uh, it was. 20% think uh, UNC is the biggest rival. Yeah. So it definitely jumps up with the older generation because it, you know, for 18 to 24 year olds or 25 to 35 year olds, only 5% think that. So it definitely an age shift towards more, you know, their two rivals back, back before Frank Beamer and Michael Vick. So right. the South's oldest rivalry. And um, even before I came along, it, it was a, a pretty big game. I guess sort of in on the national scene because it, it, once upon a time it was a, 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 I think on national radio if I did my research right and they'd play on Thanksgiving Day and it's a big deal, um, but then you know things like that fade over time. But and uh, and like you said, the, the younger generation definitely considers Tech the bad guys for sure. <laughs> um. Anything else that uh, you'd like to discuss or or, or hold people um, on? I guess so. Or the last one I added a geography part into at the end, um, where you know most people live. Um, so um, it's also a little, I'm gonna say a little skewed, but I mean just because just because it's fans, it also have a lot more uh, alumni might be following on Twitter as compared to attend games more, you know, UVA basketball related. So. It definitely skewed the geography a little bit. So, like, I had Charlottesville eighteen percent, Richmond seventeen percent, Northern Virginia. I was surprised only eleven percent of the people on the poll were from Northern Virginia. Yeah, that is um, saying you know how, how many, what percentage of the students are from Northern Virginia? Or, um, just the population, I guess, of Virginia is more uh, Northern Virginia. I just I was kind of surprised only eleven percent. Um, Roanoke seven percent, Norfolk five percent, but then the rest of Virginia it was just. 10% of like the other smaller parts and only 2% from DC, but then other parts of the United States, like 13%. So there's more people in this poll live in other States besides, I mean, I included New York, Atlanta, Maryland, North Carolina. Just, I was just surprised how many 13% are from a lot of other States. You wouldn't, wouldn't think of um, that are UVA fans here. 
And then when I broke it down, uh, as far as like alumni versus not alumni, 42% of the alumni don't live in Virginia. Um, 16% were in Northern Virginia and then 42% in the rest of Virginia. But you look at the non-alumni, um, it was only 20% were outside of Virginia, 6% Northern Virginia and 75% the rest of Virginia. And so when you're looking at the who to target, if you're targeting, you're trying to target alumni to come to games, well, 42% don't live in Virginia. So it's going to be hard. That's it's tough. Going, it's going to be tough to get them to come to games. That's that's where that comes from. Like the, they don't live too close. That's why I'm going back to the one poll, one question about why don't you come to games? Well, I live too far away now. So um, meanwhile, the non-alumni fans, 75% of them are in, in like the non-Northern Virginia parts or like 80% in Virginia. So that's where if you want to seems like if the administration where it was targeting people to come to the games, it'd be more targeting Virginia residents who aren't even alum or because uh, we're targeting alum, half of them aren't even there. So aren't, aren't, aren't driving distance. So it's just interesting how geography plays into it. Cause I'm sure, you know, a lot of the alum are supportive of the team want to donate, but that doesn't mean they're showing up to games because it's geography. Yeah. That makes it tough. Um, uh... I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, I guess there is none. <laughs> there's, there's just no way just, to compensate for that. Yeah, just find ways for them to support differently, like using the NIL and the VAF to like, hey, you might not be able to, you know, spend hundreds of dollars to go to the game, but I'll support by donating hundred dollars to the NIL with the Cavs future or what have you. So, yeah, I think they, that that be more of an angle instead of you know sending, hey, we get fifteen dollars seats. Well, how about Thirty dollars to the, the program type thing. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, I think that's a a good solution to to at least um, try to help make up for for what they they can't do in travel. They can do in donations for sure. Um, and obviously, they they need that over there uh, for the NIL. Uh, I think they are getting more NIL help now than ever before and so um i would think any of those gifts would be highly important in, in what they're trying to to do because uh, it's as you as you well know you uh, are a avid college football fan and basketball fan and um it's it's the wild wild west out there. We're we're seeing stuff all the time that we never dreamed we would five years ago we'd be yeah dealing with. So uh, the NIL is is huge, and uh, until somebody gets uh, some kind of grip on that, it's gonna just become uh, it, it may get nuts out there. I <laughs> I, mean, I was told the other day, and it was third hand, but from some people who extended the. Liberty um, Conference USA Championship game a couple of weekends ago, and um, somebody was told that Liberty had a $10 million NIL program, uh, which is somewhat fascinating. Uh, but, the, you know, that, that university has bukus of money, uh, a lot of it coming from their online presence which is massive uh every time i drive by there on the way to some acc destination south um it seems like they're putting up a new building every time i drive 
by the campus there. But uh, yeah, the NIL is, is it's become a monster. And uh, right now it's Frankenstein's monster. It's on the run. And I don't, you know, you can't get any, the villagers are running in the other direction <laughs> with their pitchforks. Yeah. Well, the UVA and the Cavs Futures got Wally Walker to the rescue, right? That's right. Um, uh, I think we're going to have Wally on our um, TV internet show sometime this month. And um, it'll be interesting hearing his opinions on, on all this that's going on. It's uh, he's, he's probably just getting well-versed on it himself. I think he was at the basketball game the other night. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but uh, uh, I think his presence will be, uh, will definitely be felt uh, in supporting Virginia's athletic program. Very popular, successful guy. Everything he's touched is, is, turn to gold so maybe maybe he'll bring some of that back to charlottesville right exactly yeah well uh any closing thoughts danny or uh if not uh, uh... no i mean it was just it was a fun exercise and uh it was just something i could do because i mean the i'm sure the uva marketing department and the athletic department um puts this stuff out as well to like see the ticket holders and anytime you buy a ticket, you get a follow-up survey, you know, how was your thing? It's just, I knew I could ask questions that they couldn't. <laughs> so um, right, and, right. Uh, it's just fascinating on my own end to have, you know, some of the conclusions about cross-referencing some of the data that um, was interesting that they, you know, the typical program couldn't ask and couldn't ask tough questions. So it was just a, a fun exercise uh, to do. And I, if anybody has any questions, they can, Reach out to me on Twitter. I can or find the original thread, and I can follow up and do more data digging because um, it's got 1,300 responses. So there's plenty to look at, um, and we have plenty of time to solve some of these problems until the next uh, next season, what have you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We've got plenty of time for that. Um, well, I, I thought you did a great job on that, and uh, I, it's been fun talking to you this past uh, not quite an hour, but. Uh, yeah. Um, just incredibly uh, interesting topics and feedback. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that with, with our audience. We'll, we'll get you back on sometime. Uh, I, I just love the the uh, work you do and, and uh, all the, the data that you research. I, how, how, many, how much time do you spend doing that on your free time? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, not, not that much. Some, some stuff is, you know, if I'm if I'm bored at night, I look it up and put it in the spreadsheet. And some some takes, you know, if I'm having trouble sleeping or something, I like oh, I really want to look at this one stat. You know, it might take a while. <laughs> so sometimes I'm just, you know, waiting in line for my lunch, and I pull up, you know, a couple of different sites to pull it up. Or, you know, it's sometimes it's it takes seconds, sometimes it takes hours. Um, it's, I never know which which tweet or what stat um, will will take a while. Which which one will be really popular? Which one's not? Um, and just when I get free time here and there. Um, I mean, I try not to get into many like making graphs and big, big uh, equations and big, you know, all this crazy stuff. Cause like, I just don't have time to do that. But if I can find, pull up a couple of websites, pull up a couple of stats within five minutes. Yeah. Send it out, which keeps it, keeps it going. So, I mean, I used to, I used to be one of the bloggers used to write a lot of articles. It's just now with, it's just easier to do a, a random tweet here and there and uh, get those stats out that way. 
Yeah. Well, you do fascinating work and uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. And um, thank you so much for for sharing that and, and sharing your uh, survey. We appreciate it. And um, oh, you're welcome. We'll get you, you back on sometime. We'll we'll talk we'll talk some more fun stuff. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Danny. And uh you're have welcome. a rest of your weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you.